Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in, boys and girls, ladies and gents. It's your second edition this week of the Full 10 Yards podcast as we begin to look forward to week number 14 in the National Football League. And I'm joined once again this evening by Ewan. How are you, my friend? Very good. Thanks for having me on again. No, pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed Monday and looking forward to getting into a fresh slate of games. So plenty for us to get into and quite some significant news that's broke this week since we recorded on Monday. And we'll get into that straight away as we head over to First Down. First Down. Okay, so I'll bring you up to speed with the news of the week and quite a significant bit of breaking news this week um, for us to talk about and get our teeth into. That, of course, is the news that Ron Rivera has been fired as the coach of the Carolina Panthers after nine years in charge. Um, currently, Perry Fuel, the um, secondary coach, has been put into interim position. Obviously, would expect that uh, the Panthers will go through a complete recruitment process in the off-season. But you and bring you straight in for your views on this one. Um, obviously, a disappointing season in Carolina. Can't be obviously ignored the fact that their first choice and starting quarterback has been missing for the majority of it. But uh, what's your thoughts on Ron Rivera getting the boot? I think the overwhelming reaction was just that Rivera is a, a riverboat Ron. He's a, he's a class act, I think, to be relieved of his position, hang around the building for the, the days that he did, chat to the media, the words that the players, Luke Keekley in particular, had to say about him. Um, he's a bit of an older school coach. Um, he's not in the sort of mold, modern mold that people are looking for him. And I think partly David Tepper's outlined he wants to move on to an offensive Coach, and you know, um, he's been he's been there since 2011. Um, he almost got fired in 2012 after they went six and ten, seven and nine. His first two seasons, they went 15 and one. Obviously, went to the Super Bowl in 2015, and it, you know, it was they just kind of uh, were outdone by the the swan song of Peyton Manning. So, I mean, over overall, you know, a reasonably good track record to look back on. Um, obviously, they've kind of flamed out the playoffs when when they finally got back there in 17 obviously last year and this year have looked very similar in terms of you know how the the games have turned out for them started reasonably well and just you know starting to fade um and you know if you lose your franchise quarterback and put an undrafted or a you know or a unheralded prospect out of college and allen in at quarterback i don't really know what the ownership was um Thinking, but like David Tepper, he's he's a gambler and he's he's won he's won money and in investments and that's where he's built his billions and obviously he's looking to make changes and just you know he's looking to move the the training facility to South Carolina whether they'll move that stadium or not I don't know it's probably the worst NFL stadium I've been to in terms of investment infrastructure um, so there's that the franchise has not had a lot of money in it and he's definitely looking for a new direction so. Shame to see him go, uh, but he's, he's, uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll find another job, particularly as a defensive coordinator, which he was for six years you know, at Chicago and, and uh, the Chargers, etc. before he was there. So, yeah, good guy. Uh, one of the sort of older school now that's, uh, there's not many left. 
No, absolutely, mate. I think he's certainly going to land on his feet. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him back with a head coaching gig in the off-season. Um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously discuss Black Monday when we get to it. We're not a million miles away. We just have Black Friday, so why not have Black Monday? Um, that will soon be on the horizon. And no doubt we'll be seeing six or seven coaching changes as we usually do. So I would imagine Ron Rivera's name will be one that does come up. Um, I may well be doing a written article on Ron Rivera in the next couple of days. So keep your eyes peeled to the full 10 yards for that one. Um, Just in other news, not an awful lot going on as obviously we're at that stage of the season now where trades aren't allowed and all that kind of stuff. So generally, it's just news of people that are injured and, and being moved on to IR, um, et cetera, et cetera. And in terms of this week, just a couple of names um, of, of players that um, you know, potentially are big big names for the, for the teams that have lost them. CJ Mosley has gone on to IR for the Jets. He was obviously a prized off-season acquisition. Um, you know, Mosley was playing well for that defence. He struggled with injuries in the latter half of this season, though, and he's now officially moved on to IR. And the only other one of note um, was yet another change upcoming in the Miami backfield as Kalen Balage can't stake his claim to have that lead back role. He's now also on to injured reserve. So Zach Zena comes across from Arizona. Um, so the rotation at the Miami running back position continues as it seems to be the case these days. Other bit of news, and you and we talked about it briefly on the close of the pod on Monday, is of course Monday Night Football. And we saw a high scoring game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings. We said on the pod it was two good teams going head to head. And I just fancied Seattle based on the fact that this game was being held at home. And ultimately, that proved to be the case as they come out in this one victorious by a score of 37 points to 30. Um, Great advert for the game. Two sides going backwards and forwards. Two good um, quarterbacks in this one as well. I've talked a lot about Russell Wilson this this season, but, you know, Kirk Cousins quietly has had himself quite a nice season as well. I think the big difference in this one, Ewan, is the fact that Dalvin Cook was held to just 29 yards on nine attempts. And Seattle, you know, got the ground game going quite nicely with both Rashad Penny and Chris Carson getting some production. 218 yards on the ground for Seattle in this one. Um, so, you know, it, it always felt to me watching it as a game that, um, you know, w- was in Seattle's control. Um, but a, a good a good game. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see this matchup being played again in January. I still fancy the Vikings to get one of these wildcard positions. Did you catch any of the game or seen any of the highlights since? And if you did, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, <clears throat> I saw a stat. I think Kirk Cousins on Monday night is, is 0-12 or something like that. So he's, he's, uh, he's the criticism or of him, and I think part of the reason why the Redskins didn't pay him is, you know, he's good, but he's got a limit. Um, I think he's, you know, he's, he's, he's worked well into that system and, you know, they, they seem to have had some ebbs and flows to their offensive output. I think Cook went out in the third quarter, I think, and that kind of just, you know, it's a big, big part of their offense and what they do. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think Seattle just had enough um, to, to get past them. And, you know, I think they're, now with that win, I think that, drop the 49ers from the first to the fifth seed. So it just shows you how tight it is at the top of the NFC. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I say, a couple of really good sides and uh, wouldn't be at all surprised, like I say, if that was a bit of a preview for an upcoming match in January. But we will wait and see. But as we like to do, 
before we can get into week 14. We'll close week 13 and test someone's knowledge as we move over to second down for this week's full 10 questions. Second down. So here we go with this week's full 10 questions and one I'm personally looking forward to immensely as I'm delighted to be joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Mr. Lawrence Voss. How are you, my friend? Not too bad, not too bad. Just had to uh, wheel my daughter's Christmas present round to her neighbours in the dead of night. So, excuse me, being a bit of out of breath. It just looked, looked a bit dodgy. Walking <laughs> around with a, with a brand new bicycle and, and sticking it in someone's garage. So, other than that, all good. Jolly good, mate, jolly good. It would have been even funnier if you'd have been riding the bicycle, mate. That would have been a, a picture I would have liked to have seen on the WhatsApp group. Um, yeah, you, yeah. you you obviously are the regular author these days of the takeaways piece, so I'm assuming you're feeling confident about your week 13 knowledge. Yeah, about as confident as um, the Cincinnati Bengals, probably. Oh dear. But then again, they did win, didn't they? So they did know, indeed. Snap the 13 game, snap that 13 game losing streak. So there we go. Yeah, so there's hope for everybody, mate. I'm sure you'll do fine. I obviously don't need to explain the rules to yourself, mate, but uh, just for anyone listening to the first time, 10 questions against the clock. So the time will be a tiebreaker if the you end up tied with anyone else that's taken on the weekly challenge. So are you good to go, my friend? Yeah, all ready. Cool. Right, pens and papers ready at home. Here comes this week's full 10 questions. Question one, what was the highest scoring game in week 13? That would have been the Dolphins and the Eagles, 37-31. Question two, which team scored the least points in week 13? The Sam Darnold-led New York Jets with six points. Question three, did Lamar Jackson have more yards rushing or passing against the 49ers? Just a tiny bit more passing, I think. It was his fourth 100-yard game, breaking the NFL record. But I think he just squeaked over it in passing. Uh, question four. How many receiving yards did Robert Woods have for LA against Arizona? Was it 172 or 192? 172, I'll go for. Question five. Name two of the four Texan players to have a receiving touchdown against New England. Um, Kenny Stills and Duke Johnson. Question six. How many touchdowns did Aaron Rodgers throw for against the Giants? Four. Question seven. Which Chargers defender was flagged for PI in the final seconds against Denver, setting up the Broncos' game-winning field goal? Oh, you've got me there. Let me think. I'll just... Go with Melvin Ingram. Genuinely Question. don't know that one. That's a total guess. Question eight. Did Washington have more rush yards or Carolina more pass yards in their Week 13 matchup? I would hope that the Redskins had more rushing yards because Adrian Peterson went for 99 and Darius Geis went for 120-something. So I'll give it to the Redskins. Question nine. Who caught the only touchdown for the Jags against the Bucks? 
God. Jags against the Bucks. Um, the, um, what's his name? D.D. Westbrook. And finally, question 10. Within 20, how many points were the scored in the combined Sky TV games from this week? Sky games, God, there we go. So 60, 70, go with 290. Okay, stop the clock. Two minutes and 31 seconds. How do you think you've done? Hopefully seven. Anything over seven, I'll be happy with. Okay, I do. I do love the fact that you give me the stats for the questions as you answer them, mate. I think you've done pretty well. So let's go back through them. Question one: Highest scoring game in week thirteen? You are correct. It was indeed Miami versus Philadelphia with a combined sixty-eight points. Which team scored the least points in week thirteen? Again, correct. It was the New York Jets with a lonely six points. Question three, did Lamar Jackson have more rushing yards or passing yards? Again, spot on, mate. Just in terms of passing yardage, he had 105 passing yards and 101 rushing yards. Uh, how many receiving yards did Robert Woods have for LA against Arizona? It was indeed 172. Big game for Robert Woods returning from injury. Question five, name two of the four Texans players to have a receiving touchdown against New England. You gave me two of the four in Duke Johnson and Kenny Stills. The other ones you could have had were Darren Fells or Deshaun Watson himself on that lovely trick play that they drew up. Uh, question six, how many touchdowns did Aaron Rodgers throw for against the Giants? It was indeed four. Question seven, the Chargers defender flagged for pass interference in the final seconds to set up Denver's game-winning field goal. It wasn't Melvin Ingram, it was Casey Haywood. Okay, uh, fair question, play, fair question, play. Question eight, did Washington have more rush yards or Carolina more passing yards in their Week 13 matchup? It was indeed the Redskins again it done on the ground. 248 yards on the ground compared to 213 through the air for the Panthers. Uh, question nine who caught the only touchdown for the Jags against the Bucks it was indeed Dede Westbrook and the final question how many points combined were there in all the Sky TV games I said within 20 you were just outside that I'm afraid you said 290 <sighs> and the actual answer was 332 so you were 42 away <sighs> Dear me, dear a, me. a very, very reasonable 8 out of 10 with some stats thrown in. I would expect nothing less from you, my friend. Are you satisfied with 8 out of 10? That'll do, yeah. I wanted I wanted over 7, so I made, I've made a bit of a spectacle of myself the first time round. So getting 8, I'm a lot happier. And, Sean, just because it's you, I've got a little extra stat slice at the end of this for you. You may or may not know this, that the Browns have not won four consecutive games in the past decade. I was going to say they haven't won four games in the past decade. That sounds more like it, mate, let alone four in a row, the way they played on Sunday. Good Lord. Well, that's that's perked me up no end, mate. You always, uh, you always wow me with your statistical <laughs> prowess, Lawrence. So thank you ever so much for that. That's put me in a great mood no, for the rest well. of the podcast. Uh... Right, I will no doubt be catching up with you again soon, my friend. So take care and thanks for taking part. No problem. Always a pleasure. Cheers, buddy.
Okay, there we go. A very, very respectable eight out of ten indeed there from Lawrence. And as you would expect from the stat man himself, plenty of knowledge sprinkled in with his answers. Let's crack on then with the rest of the pod as we start looking at week 14 as myself and Ewan move across to third down. Third down. Okay, third down already, flying along this evening, and let's get into the week 14 slate of games. And first and foremost, as we like to do, let's bring you up to speed with the guy, with the matches that are going to grace our television screens. And you and I'm going to throw it over to yourself first as Thursday Night Football kicks us off as usual. And we've got Dallas going up against Chicago. Yeah, two six and six teams, uh, Thursday Night Football, two good defences, uh, two questionable quarterbacks or quarterbacks that have got questions hanging over them this season. So I, I, I can't see it being a, a high-scoring uh, affair. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys, you think, you know, looking at two six and six teams, you think probably not much chance of the playoffs. But with the East, East being the way it is, uh, the Cowboys have got a chance to um, potentially put themselves out in front, um, at least temporarily, in the division. Because uh, nobody seems to, to want to try and grasp that. Uh, both Dallas and Philadelphia having desperately kind of uh, poor seasons by you know the roster standards, or, or perhaps the rosters would indicate. Um, obviously, Dallas had the news that uh, their defensive tackle Woods has been arrested for possession of marijuana. I mean, not a huge offence, I suppose, in this modern day and age. If it had been in some other states, it wouldn't have been an offence. But uh, certainly, you know, some more negativity around the building. You know, with the questions of the head coach. Remain. Um, I think if they were to lose that one, and I think his fate's already sealed with Jerry Jones's comments, so I can't really see him lasting beyond this season based on the quote. It was effective. He'll be coaching the NFL, but it won't be here. Um, so uh, I think that it's probably a, a game that he can save some face and maybe get them into the playoffs. Um, Dak, um, as he's been the quarterback in, in uh, Dallas in the, over the month of December, is 9-3, and three, so he'll be hoping he can kind of retain some of that form that he's shown late in previous seasons. Um, to this point to, to see if they can try and get a win I think Chicago have got a good defence it'll be a test for uh, both teams obviously the, the, I mean the the, uh, the book's out on Trubisky now he did have a three um, a three touchdown game last week on Thanksgiving against Detroit but when you watch the tape it wasn't pretty so um, there could well be you know changes on, for both teams uh, come the end of the season as I said both go six and six um, you know the, the Bears put you know, probably the outside looking in, even if they were to win out, a uh, good chance for Dallas to creep ahead. But I don't think it'll be one for the purists. I think the the um, the the schedulers in their infinite wisdom would have thought this would have been a good one at the start of the season. But uh, the league turns out uh, some very different results than what most people would predict. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think, you know, as you've alluded to there, it's, it's an important game. This one for Dallas, you know, an opportunity to, to once again sort of get that lead built over the Eagles and, and continue to almost mount scoreboard pressure in effect because, you know, like you say, the, the play has been far from stellar in recent weeks. Um, for me, this is a question of where have both of these defences disappeared to. You know, Dallas have actually failed to force a turnover now in any of their last four games. And, you know, they've never actually gone five in franchise history. So they'll obviously be looking to make sure that they end that streak tonight. The Bears, on the other hand, you know, we always think about the Bears having this ferocious defence and Khalil Mack, but they've only had 11 sacks since the beginning of October, which is actually tied with Miami for the fewest in the NFL, um, you know, which is a really surprising statistic from a side that you think you know would base the majority of their game plan around defence. And as you say, with Trubisky not necessarily getting the job done, 
offensively. A little bit surprising that given the opportunities that they've had, that the, the defence hasn't been able to get home. I do think Dallas probably has got the class to take this one. It, it actually was a bit of a surprise when I started doing the research ahead of this week that these two sides have got the same record. It feels like Dallas have had a much better season. You know, everything seems to have been very, very negative around the Bears. But actually, you know, quietly the Cowboys have really slipped into this sort of mediocrity here at 6-6. Six and six. So, it's a really important game for them to actually start to turn the corner. And, you know, if they're going to get into the playoffs, somebody from that NFC East is going to. They're obviously going to want to go in there with a little bit of form and momentum behind them. And, uh, you know, a good way to kick it off tonight with a big win on the road, potentially. Uh, let's move on to Sunday and Sky have got another couple of big ones lined up for us and I'm going to start us off with the San Francisco 49ers for the second week running in the six o'clock window against the New Orleans Saints and you know this is two teams with a 10 and 2 record and as you just alluded to there Ewan um, after the Monday night football results the 49ers actually no longer sit with the number one seed which you know they have had every single week of the season um, so a, a surprising thing for them potentially looking upwards for a change New Orleans clinched their division last week with their win on Thanksgiving against Atlanta where I would fully expect that with the number one seed and home field advantage and all the rest of it to play for that they certainly won't be taking this one lightly at all uh, New Orleans haven't actually lost at home to a non-divisional opponent since New England went in and did the business way back in week two of the 2017 season. So it's fair to say that they have got an excellent home field record. In terms of the 49ers, plenty of encouragement from last weekend's loss. I would suggest it was their second loss of the season and the second loss to come by a score of just three points. And this was a stat that uh, impressed me immensely. The last team to finish a season without recording a loss of four or more points was actually the 2007 New England Patriots, who obviously went on to complete a 16-0 and perfect regular season record. Uh, San Francisco basically built around defence and running the ball for the majority of it. As we know, they're the number one ranked defence in terms of yards allowed per game at just 251 yards. But obviously they draw a tough assignment this week with Michael Thomas, who is continuing to set the pace across the league in terms of receiving yards at 1,290 and also receptions at 110. He's potentially still on target here to break um, to beat the Marvin Harrison record of 143 receptions in a single season. And, you know, it was actually the first time since week three last week that he didn't actually lead the Saints in receiving, um, which is a surprise whenever that does happen because he's obviously such a focal point of the game plan. There's quite a few questionables for this one. Not too sure how serious a lot of these injuries are, but it's a bit of a laundry list when it comes to the 49ers in terms of key players. George Kittle, D. Ford, Richard Sherman, Dante Pettis, Joe Staley, all either questionable or doubtful. Not so bad for the New Orleans Saints. Kiki Alonso and Terran Armstead are the only two um, names that jumped off the page to me that are both down as questionable. Uh, the Saints are actually favoured to win this one uh, by two and a half points by the bookies. And I think that's probably a fair reflection based on the fact that, like I say, this one is at home. I think they have got the kind of balanced attack that they will be able to attack the 49ers in various different ways. Obviously, as always is the case with the 49ers, it's a case of can they get that run game going. Raheem Mostert came in last week and set career highs. And, you know, I jokingly said on the pod on Monday, even I could probably get some yards behind that offensive line. 
it'll be interesting to see how they go against the Saints. The Saints have actually, you know, again, produced a fairly decent defence all throughout the season. And I think, you know, in your view, Ewan, they're probably one of the most balanced sides in football. Um, so how do you see this one going on Sunday? Big game between two NFC big guns. Two, you know, very well-balanced teams. Um, Alvin Kamara being, you know, the, the highlight of their attack. Um, he could be, he, well, he could set to become only the third player in uh, history to have 500 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards uh, since Herschel Walker and the Cowboys in the late 60s. So, uh, sorry, in the late 80s, rather. Um, so, I, I, it's certainly, you know, they've, they've got, they're quite similar in terms of being able to balance the ball out. I think if you, if you, a lot of these games where it's two kind of strong units, I think they're, you know, they're strong on all sides of the ball. They've got talent. I think the Saints potentially have just got a bit more um, on, you know, all round uh, their, their roster. And I think if it comes down to quarterback, quarterback, who would you take? And probably at this stage of their careers, um, even though, you know, Breeze statistically um starts to feel the strain and the long passes kind of dissipate as the season goes on. I think you still take breeze in this one to see it out, particularly being at home that in front of that crowd. Um, yeah, I think the Saints will take it and the, the 49ers uh, might be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond after the back of a defeat. Like I say, it was a, obviously a close defeat and certainly no disgrace in losing to the red-hot Baltimore Ravens side at the moment. But uh Certainly the schedule makers haven't been kind to the 49ers in terms of a bounce-back game. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Talking of another side that needs to bounce back, that obviously leads us to New England. And you and you obviously saw them up close and personal on Sunday night. They again get a tough fixture here with the Kansas City Chiefs who are red hot off the back of a big win against Oakland. I think... The Chiefs are starting to round into form at a good time. Uh, they're starting to get healthy. I mean, look, they can't defend the run. Um, they've shown that all season. They just don't have the personnel. They're not good enough at linebacker. They've not got enough space eaters up front to to, uh, to let the linebackers play. So, yeah, I think, you know, they've invested in Tyron Matthew. And, you know, he's not – I think he, he, that was clear what he was last year. Um, so, they gave him the big contract there. I know they went after El Thomas and then he, he, he took a – he took the longer deal in, in uh, Baltimore. So, you know, they, I think they're, 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 uh, when they're relying on one, Thornhill is on the back end as a rookie. I think that kind of gives you an idea of the strength of the, the, um, their defence. They obviously run off their pass rushers. Um, obviously, they brought Frank Clark over, but they just don't seem to quite have enough up front either to put enough pressure on the quarterback. I think, you know, Brady's got a lack of weapons and that showed last weekend. Um, but I think, again, the, the trouble is with, with an offence that's not ticking along, there's only so much a defense can do, um, and I don't think the uh, the New England um, attack look, or sorry, the New England defense rather was attacked in ways um, that kind of put the book out of them a bit last week. So you know they'll be looking to bounce back. They've, they've only actually lost two games in a row twice since 2015. Um, that was a week 12 and 13, a week 15, and week two and three of last year. So they don't often lose two back to back. New England are at home. Um, so there's, I think there's potential there for them to be, you know, to, to, to make it tight. I, I think, based on the last few performances that, that, that they've had, I just don't think New England can hold on to the ball long enough to keep Mahomes off the field uh, to, to keep the to keep the points down. So I can, I've got a feeling Kansas City might might sneak it, and uh, and you've got the Texans and, and Kansas City and Buffalo uh, be chasing New England for that uh, two seed. 
Yeah, it's frightening to to think that New England actually are really in danger of, of potentially having to firstly play on wildcard weekend and, and, you know, secondly, you know, potentially actually be a team that goes on the road on wildcard weekend. It's a unbelievable um, thing, really, when you consider how successful they've been. And as you just alluded to there, that statistic of not losing two games back to back, you know, goes to show the level of consistency that we've become accustomed to, really. Uh, the, the three previous contests in this one, just to wet people's appetites, you know, back in the playoffs, obviously, January this year, 37-31 to the Patriots. October of 2018, 43-40 to the Patriots. An opening day in the 2017 season, the Chiefs actually on the road, 42-27. So these games have tended to be high scoring. You certainly don't fancy the Patriots to put up that kind of numbers, though. So I would actually agree with you on this one, mate. I think that uh, there's every chance that Kansas City go and get a big win here. And, you know, I think then there will be some serious questions asked around New England and can they find the answers um, to the questions that, unfortunately, let's be honest, they haven't been able to answer so far this year. That defence has bailed them out, but you know it's not every week you're going to come up against a Patrick Mahomes-led offence that's obviously got the multitude of weapons that he has got at his disposal. Uh, Sunday night football next, and an offence that has plenty of weapons but has been stuck in neutral is the LA Rams, who have only scored an average of 13.5 points in their last four home games. If you compare that to an average of 36.4 in the previous 10 games, that goes to show the the huge problem that has been the LA Rams on the offensive side of the ball this year. They're going to obviously come up against the Seahawks side that are very opportunistic. 27 takeaways that they have forced this season. That's the most that they've had in a season um, since 39 back in the Legion of Boom days. So, you know, already well ahead of, of previous years. Uh, and you know, comparing up against what was that historic defensive backfield. Russell Wilson continues to make his case for MVP, yet another multiple touchdown game. That's the 33rd that he has had since the start of the 2017 season. No other quarterback has actually had more than 30 in that same span, and there's actually only one who's had more than 25. And believe it or not, that is Philip Rivers, who's had 29 Wilson's stats on the season now, 26 touchdowns to four interceptions. You know, he's been phenomenally good, phenomenally consistent. And, you know, whenever he's needed, he seems to be able to find a big play. More often than not, we've talked about him enough. Tyler Lockett is the man on the receiving end. But just a shout out here for DK Metcalf, who quietly is having a very, very respectable rookie season. He's got 44 receptions on the year, but he's done that for 705 yards and five touchdowns. So, excellent production from a guy who a lot of people, when he came out of college, thought that he could essentially only run a go route. He's proven that he's got a lot more in his locker than that, and he's obviously a physical mismatch for most defenders, isn't he? So, absolutely, why not get him involved as much as possible in the passing game? Again, in terms of the injury report in this one, quite a number of questionables. Dwayne Brown, Ezekiel Anzar, Jacob Hollister... Jadavian Clownley, Michael Kendricks, um, all questionable for the Seahawks. Not, again, so many for the Rams in this one. Gerald Everett, probably the biggest name, the tight end, uh, but they are relatively healthy. Biggest surprise for me in this one is actually that the Rams are favoured to win this one. Only favoured by a point, um, but I find that astounding, really, considering the recent form. Yes, they had a nice win last weekend against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have been... 
uh, you know, getting beaten up by everybody the last four to five weeks after having a little bit of a mini resurgence themselves. They've certainly gone back uh, in the wrong direction. And I, I can't see anything other than a Seahawks victory here to consolidate that number one seed. Assuming that New Orleans does take care of business earlier on in the afternoon, this would obviously give the Seahawks actually a little bit of a cushion. Um, you know, there's a big rematch on the horizon, obviously, with the 49ers to close out the season. So, you know, any any games that they can take a lead in the division up by um, will obviously be favourable. And I think this is a great opportunity for them, you and I don't know how you see this one on Sunday night, but I can't believe that the Rams are favourites in this one. Yeah, I mean, they put up a good performance last week, the Rams. I don't know if that's, that's more of an indictment of where uh, Arizona are at this stage of the season versus... Um, Versus being, you know, back to form. I think, you know, they've obviously lost pieces. The Rams and they've not played well. But I mean, I think as a total, a total roster and the, and the players they've got, they're not, they've not been quite as bad as, as, um, as they've been made out to be. Look, I think Russell Wilson and that offense, carry, you know, he carries that team, and you'll find they'll probably find a way to, uh, find a way to sneak it. I think it will be close because uh, I think the, the Rams are definitely going to have a bit more belief about them in terms of offense than, than they have done. Um, but I think the the, the um, it'll go. I think it'll go back and forth. But the the um, I think the Seahawks will just sneak it. Promises to be an interesting game. Any neutral staying up to watch it. Hopefully we get a good one. Final one of the week in terms of the TV offerings. And unfortunately for ESPN, they can't seem to get two good Monday night footballs back to back. And they've got a bit of a dud this week as they get the NFC East matchup between the Giants and the Eagles. Ewan. Yeah, I mean, there's. This division continues to get games it probably shouldn't do um, every year on prime time uh, um, for the TV to for the viewing pleasure of, of the TV audience. Uh, I mean, the, the, look, Peterson's come out this week and said this is a must-win game, uh, and, it, and it is in many ways because they, you know, despite being you know not great all season, um, they, they've still got a chance to um, to you know to, to to push Dallas right to the end of this. So, I mean, it's uh, it. it it's a, it's an interesting game because I think it's two teams that haven't really had great seasons. Um, divisional games tend to sort of cancel one another out because you know the familiarity is there. They know their tendencies, uh, they know what they do well, um, so it, it usually comes down to you know a, a reasonably tight game with with, uh, with with not much in it. I think you know the, the Giants have been an interesting team uh, since the, you know they've gone for the young quarterback. Has terrible trouble with. Securing the ball, and you know they've, they've not got much up front uh, and protect them, and they've not got much front the other side of the ball either. So it's it's it's, um, it's a difficult it's a difficult one to call, I think. And um, if you look at Philadelphia, I know they've they've said that they've had a padded practice this week and made a big point of that. Uh, they obviously see a kind of physical game, um, and Sue and Jordan Howard still not clear to play. Um, Angelo's still out at wide receiver, so again he's. he's not necessarily the most effective player, but speed stretches the field and opens up the offense. Without him, Derek Barnett up front as well um, did not practice again, and you know they need all the pass rush they can get to cover up. You know the, the back, the back line or the back end of their defense, which is definitely the weakness of the team, and it's cost them uh, in games. So yeah, I think I think the Philly will sneak it um, more than likely, uh, but I think the Giants have done quite well of making the game of stuff early, and then uh, and then slowly kind of fading out. So. I see Philly taking this one. Yeah, I kind of hope for for New York's sake that Philly actually do, because obviously one of the things to look out for in this one is obviously it's likely that Eli Manning is going to be back under centre. And I think the worst possible thing is that he gives the Giants a spark and 
you know, if they go on a sort of three or four game winning run to close out the season, I don't think that anybody's going to be happy if Eloy Manning starts under centre next year for the Giants. So, uh, be interesting to see. I think they'll have a different head coach next year. I can't see. Uh, I think Ben McAdoo done a similar, if not, you know, arguably better job um, than, than than this year. So I and so I, I just I, I think they're a I think they're potentially a candidate for Rivera. I think I think uh, the the front office, you know, there's connections there in a previous life and. Uh, and uh, they like that sort of coach, and uh, you know he wants to build through the trenches. You saw that in the draft. We've still got more rebuilding to do. Um, obviously, gave away their their franchise, you know, face of the franchise player last year in Beckham trading them out. So they've got picks to to fortify the roster further this year. So um, I think it's a reasonably attractive job. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Eli comes in and is able to actually uh, give them a spark because he, he certainly looked finished last year, and he looked finished at the start of the year before he got on the bench. So. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, Jones back under centre before the end of the year. Yep, be interesting to see how it shakes out. That's your TV games done and dusted, so we'll move over to fourth down to have a quick whiz through the rest of the offerings. Fourth down. Okay, obviously no bye weeks, no Thanksgiving, nothing like that. So a full slate of games to quickly whiz through here. There's only a couple again that we've probably deemed both sides have realistic playoff chances and implications on the fixture. So we'll spend a little bit of time on those, but we'll whiz through the rest of them. And I'll start us off with the Battle of Ohio, the Bengals against the Browns. Bengals obviously off and running in the win column last week as they defeated the Jets, the Browns clinging on by the finest of margins. I think it's a 6% chance, according to bookies, of a playoff possibility. As Freddie Kitchens has said this week, they have to control their own business first and foremost. I would expect the Browns to turn this one back into a win and move to 6-7. and seven. Dolphins, big win for them last week. The tank never actually has materialised. They've now got three wins on the board at 3-9. and nine. And they travel across to the New York Jets. The Jets, who had been encouraging for two or three weeks and then laid a complete egg last week against the Bengals. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back, back at home. Colts and Buccaneers. Colts still realistically fighting within that division and wildcard, although they obviously need to start getting some wins on the board and pretty quickly as games are starting to run out. Buccaneers generally a bit of a fun team to watch for the neutral. Depends what Jameis Winston turns up, obviously. Is he due some interceptions? More than likely if he had a good game the week before. Um, so potentially a high-scoring affair down in South Florida. Probably going to be the best game weather-wise this weekend. The Redskins, Lawrence's beloved Washington Redskins, riding high on a two-game win streak, go across to Green Bay. And I would imagine the win streak comes to an end here as the Packers obviously at home at Lambeau. Packers with an opportunity to extend their divisional lead over the Minnesota Vikings in that one. Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons. Panthers obviously minus Ron Rivera travelling across to Atlanta. A lost season for both of these franchises now. It's all about building for the future. The Falcons have got some real issues that they will need to address They've got a lot of cap invested in a small number of players. And obviously for the Panthers, they'll be looking to see what they have got on the roster for any prospective new head coach that's going to come into the building during the off-season. Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit 3-8-1. and one, Got off to a fairly decent start this season. We're undefeated after the first four games. And as you can see, 
now losing eight in a row. They will go against the Vikings, who obviously come off the back of a Monday night football performance in Seattle that was encouraging despite the results. They lost it 37-30. to 30. Fully expect the Vikings to get back to winning ways in this one. And I think Matt Patricia may well be another one of those head coaches looking for employment come the off-season. Broncos and Texans. Uh, you and I'll come to you for this one, mate. It's only fair as you're a Texans fan. Uh, so what should we look out for in this one briefly? Well, it's, it's the uh, revenge game for two uh, DBs, um, Kareem Jackson, who was, you know, unfairly, I think, you know, let go. Um, and the Texans infamously did not even give him a call after spending nine years with the franchise. First round picket of Alabama. Uh, faded as a corner, but definitely as a role in the league as, as a safety. Probably one of the elite, you know, tacklers um, in the back end of a defense. So he comes back into Houston uh, and Bradley Roby. Uh, played in the corner back last week, picked off Brady twice. One was pulled back for a, a soft PI. Um, had a great game, sacked Brady as well last week. So he's he's looking to prove himself on a one-year deal uh, that he got from the Texas for ten million for this year. So yeah, no, I think it'll be an interesting game. Um, you know, Locke came in last week. Potentially has got has got uh, has got you know that that initial uh, uplift that you can give a, an offense. Um, so but yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a, a tough game. They run the ball well, so the Texans will need to get back to running the ball themselves and bounce bounce at the offense. Von Miller still doing my knee injury. TBC if he'll be back, but I think the Texans should have too much on offense for the, for Denver on this one and get get up to nine wins. Yeah, I would agree with that, mate. Um... Elsewhere in your division, you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars there hosting the Chargers, two four and eight sides. And Minshew back for the Jaguars. I think that's the right move. They need to really understand if they've got anything there to move forward with in the offseason. Nick Foles potentially becomes a big trade chip that they have at their disposal. Is anyone going to be willing to part with that contract? Maybe the Chargers will be in the market for a quarterback. Philip Rivers certainly not looking particularly great this year. And the Chargers seem to find ways to lose close games more often than not. Um, so it'll be an interesting game in this one. Although, again, two sides looking you know, just to get to 500 on the season as the best that they can do. And the final game we're just going to briefly touch on is the Steelers currently sitting in the final wildcard spot in the AFC at 7-5. and five. They go on the road to the Kyler Murray-led Arizona Cardinals. As we've just been talking about, the Cardinals seemingly have lost their way a little bit in the last month or so. The Steelers continue to defy the odds, considering all the injuries that they have in the skill positions. And obviously, Doug Hodges in a quarterback. Uh, Hodges played particularly well last week, certainly after the first quarter. You know, he's got a nice deep ball on him in the air, the ball out plenty of regularity so you know I'd look for that to be you know part of the game plan this week against the Cardinals defense that outside of Patrick Peterson doesn't exactly have a stellar lineup of cornerbacks I think which... the, the, the sorry to say that I think that the, the strength of, of of this of this team is uh, or, or of the Pittsburgh what I think is going to give Murray a similar day to he had last week is, is the defense they're currently leading the league with 30 takeaways and 43 sacks and TJ Watt's got the got the chance to have a sack in 10 consecutive games, uh, which has not been done by Chris Jones uh, in 2018 is 11, uh, but previously has not been done since 2002 by Michael Strahan. Yeah, he's an impressive player, TJ. What well, he, he really is, you know, he, he, I think he's got a sack in every game he's ever played against the Browns. So I'm, I'm used to watching him get home against the quarterback, and he certainly has turned into the heartbeat of that defense. Um, obviously, since the unfortunate incident with Ryan Shazier, um, TJ Watt has really stepped up for the Steelers. 
A um, couple of games that we haven't gone through yet are the ones that have probably got the biggest playoff implications attached to them. So I'll start us off in the early window. And that's the Ravens, obviously sitting currently with the number one seed at 10-2, and travelling across to the Buffalo Bills at 9-3. and three, And potentially, as we've said, as surprising as it may be, with an opportunity to potentially nip away at the New England divisional lead and potentially end up at the end of the weekend with the same record. Uh, the Bills are actually only one win shy of their first 10-win season since way back in 1999, where they finished that year 11-5. and five. Um, So, uh, you know, it's been already a, a fantastic season for Buffalo. It's now just a case of can they actually get over the line and, and finish this off. In terms of Lamar Jackson, he's now got 977 rushing yards on the season. It's already the second most all-time by a quarterback behind Michael Vick, who had 1,039 for the Falcons in 2006. So on record watch, I would suggest this weekend, he's just shy by, what, 62 rushing yards of breaking that record. I think there's every chance that that record potentially falls this year as, as Jackson's obviously had over 60 rushing yards now in five or six straight contests. Big challenge here for the Buffalo defence because as good as they've been against the pass, they are a little bit more subject against the run, which is obviously where the Ravens excel. In terms of yards per game, they're averaging 420 yards per game. And when you consider that Jackson's passing stats aren't anywhere near the top 10 of the league, um, it goes to show the level of productivity that's coming from that ground game. So that is obviously a strength against a weakness in terms of you know the Ravens' rushing attack against the Bills' rushing defence. Josh Allen has looked excellent recently. You know, he's really come of age, I would suggest, this year. He's as good a scrambling quarterback as anybody probably outside of Lamar Jackson. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he lines up against him this weekend. I think this has got potential to be a sneakily good and tight game. I, I fancy the Bills to keep this one relatively close. You can't really look anywhere other than Baltimore probably taking care of business and getting the victory. And I would suggest that you know the the sort of spread line of Baltimore by minus six, it probably feels about right. I would probably fancy the Ravens by a touchdown in this one, um, but I would imagine the Bills will run them quite close. Uh, Ewan, just come to you for your thoughts on this game, mate. Yeah, it's, um, going, to, it's going to be a good test for the for the, the Lamar Jackson. Um, he certainly was run close last week. I know the weather played a and uh, and an element in it against the 49ers and that was a good front he's you know they've got a good they've got a good uh, front as well in buffalo so um you know good at linebacker fast athletic so you know they can they can match up with them reasonably well uh compared to some other teams so yeah i think it'll be a tight game i think you know buffalo are you know one of the form teams in the league right now so um you know they've they've defied expectations in many ways they've, they've been more productive on offense uh than people potentially thought they could be, and the, and their defense has, has got better this year. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be a close one. But I think I think uh, I think um, Baltimore, as the game progresses, will start to pull away. Yeah, it'll be a good watch for anyone watching that one on Game Pass. Final game for us to preview, mate, is the Tennessee Titans, who have found a little bit of a hot streak, and they travel to the Oakland Raiders, who are still. Very much in wildcard contention, but certainly need a much better performance than they've produced the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've not looked great. I mean, they lost to the Jets, the bench car in the fourth quarter, and then last week against Kansas City, they didn't look good either. So there's a, you know, that definitely seems to be a downturn in their fortunes. I think Gruden had done a fantastic job with with with, with the roster um, that they put together, but it's really young players that are the best player on it, and 
uh, you know, I think Gruden's got a tendency to go for names that were good years ago. And uh, there's, you know, they've, they've had a bit of turnover within the team. Obviously, they, I think it took them a while to get over the, the preseason uh, drama of of, uh, of Mr. Brown uh, that caused them a lot of distractions. I, think, I mean, Tennessee are a form team, three-game winning streak at the minute, averaging 36 points um, a game in the last in the last four weeks. So I, it'll be interesting. I, Tannehill, his passer rating, I think, is the highest in the league since week 14. But I just, I just find with Tannehill, there's, there's probably too much, uh, there's too much water under the bridge to know where he is as a quarterback for it to continue. I think you know when you see guys like Fitzpatrick have you know good game stretches every week, and then you know the, the film's out three or four weeks, and teams catch up to them, and there's that regression to the mean. And Oakland have not got many games left, and in, uh, in front of that, in front of that crowd, um, and it's a hardcore fan base. And, and when they beat the Chargers uh, on that primetime game, you saw what it meant to the fans, and they put a huge performance that night. I'll beat the Chargers haven't been that great, but um, I think I've just got a feeling Oakland are going to bounce back this week and, uh, and, and sneak a close one. Yeah, that'll be an interesting result if that one comes down. It, it feels like an awful long time ago now, doesn't it, since we had all the shenanigans with Antonio Brown back at the start of the season. Um, and I think the Raiders have probably outperformed a lot of people's expectations to even be sitting at 6-6. Six and six. Um, I, I would be surprised if they get this one. But then again, with that being said, just when you think the Titans are a team that you can rely on, they often do go and put in a performance that comes out of nowhere that makes you think, well, actually, they're not that good, actually, overall anyway. Uh, they are very much a middling team and, you know, you can pretty much expect they will finish somewhere between seven and nine and nine and seven. And they are probably on pace to do that again, yet again, this season. Right, that's a pretty full slate that we've gone through there, mate. And that is the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, just a quick two minutes to wrap up where we are at full 10 yards and get you up to speed with all the different content that is available for your listening and viewing pleasure. Tuesday saw the College Football Podcast drop. Please go and give it a listen if you haven't done so yet. Get up to speed with where you are going to be for Championship Weekend in college football as the regular season has already come and gone. Um, Obviously, the bowls will be coming up in the next few weeks, but this weekend sees the Championship Games decided. Fancy football, plenty of you still playing and obviously into the playoffs with regards to that. So get all of your regular content in terms of your starts and sits and all of that kind of good stuff from the boys. Make sure you give the articles a good read and get your lineup set to try and help you win your respective divisions. Uh, we will be back on Monday, as usual, to review what's gone down in a busy week of action as we obviously get set towards the final few weeks of the regular season. Next weekend, we'll actually see some games staggered across the weekend. There's some Saturday night football, I believe, is also on the slate as we get um, very much towards the business end of the campaign. As usual, you can get yourself your 10% discount at NFL Europe Shop by just using our code FULL10 when you check out. So make sure you do that and save yourself some money. You've still got time to get your Christmas presents ordered. Trust me, you will get them as long as you don't have anything personalised. Everything is pretty quick in terms of delivery. That will wrap us up for this week. So, Ewan, thanks again for joining me, my friend. Thank you for having me. No, absolute pleasure, mate. So all that's left for me to do, as usual, is sign off by saying, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.